Welcome back to Lockdown Spurs right here on the Lockdown NBA Network. I'm your host, Jeff Garcia, News 4 San Antonio and Fox29SanAntonio.com. Happy Monday. Welcome back to another week here at Lockdown Spurs. Hope your weekend was always the best you can make it considering everybody's still living the quarantine life and I hope you are being safe. We figured we start off this week by putting Quindary Weatherspoon and the Spurs rookies in the spotlight. We're going to start off talking about Quindary and ask if he's kind of the the odd man out among the three rookies that this in last year's NBA draft. Also on the show, what do we learn about the rookies and the just basically the young guys of the Spurs team now that the growing ground series that the Spurs put on this, uh, I guess, offseason, quote-unquote, uh, it was very revealing. You learned a lot about the new Spurs, the young guys. What do we learn about them? To do that anymore, I'm joined by Ty Yeager, and I couldn't, you know, Ty, I had to bring you on because you covered the Austin Spurs prior to their season shutting down. So welcome back to Lockdown Spurs, and I hope you're being safe. Thank you. It's, again, once again, as I say every time I've come on here, I am just bored as hell. So any, anything <laughs> that spices up my day, I'm happy to do it. Well, you know, I couldn't think of a better way to, uh, you know, have you on than talking about the Spurs rookies you got to talk to them uh, in, in Austin during the G League season before it got cut short. You spoke with Samanich. You spoke with even Ahern. You, you spoke to a lot of them. But let's talk about Weatherspoon to start off this show. He was one of the three rookies the Spurs drafted in last year, the 2019 NBA draft. And there's been a lot of shine with Keldon. There's been a lot of shine with uh, Luca, But there really hasn't been too much about Weatherspoon. Why is that, Ty? You know, why do you think Weatherspoon kind of gets lost in the shuffle? It's just because there's because you got two. You already had two rookies ahead of him, which is is different for the Spurs because Spurs have never had haven't had two first round rookies in a good in a good long while. So first, having two rookies ahead of him already that were drafted in the first round. Second, he was drafted in the second round, and most and most second rounders don't really get get the get that option at first. So they never really the second round the second rounders just don't get the awareness, the attention that the first rounders would, as I said earlier. Then you also have guys like Chebezi and Drew who are also playing as well. There's just a lot more guys ahead of him in terms of priority for the Spurs organization and positions needed. Especially and like you said, he's a guard. And mm-hmm. Spurs are pretty guard heavy as it is and Quindary is just there developing. He's not I don't think he's NBA ready yet. I, he just isn't getting the priority that he mm-hmm. that say that Kelvin Johnson or Luca is getting. Those guys have those guys were first rounders. Those guys were drafted way ahead of ahead of him for a reason. And that that's just kind of the main reason that Quindary just has had to take a back seat among these other players. He wasn't a main, he wasn't one of the first options in in Austin. That's where Kelvin, that's where Luca was, Drew Eubanks even at times, Shemezi. All those those four guys had had bet, had were the first options before Quindary, and Quindary. But Quindary, if you look at his stats, he still did really well, and he was probably the most consistent of the of the Austin Spurs, playing almost thirty minutes a night, shooting forty five percent from the field, thirty three from deep, with over five over five assists a game. That's consistent, and I think that's a good indication that he kind of knows that he wasn't main he wasn't the main priority. Yeah, and. But you look at his numbers, they are very respectable. Double dip figure scoring, you know, you know, even on the court tie, going to the rim, finishing with authority, you know, seems to be setting up everybody. He's 
he's the point guard and that's what he's doing, but he's doing that in, in those minutes, despite not getting those touches and plays called for him. I just feel that Spurs fans or, you know, maybe you, well, not you because you see it, but just overall, they're not seeing his value. And I think he has a lot of value if it can translate into the NBA tie. Definitely. It's, and he, whenever I did interview him one time, he said that he wanted, he wanted to get his teammates involved. And that was something that was really eye-opening to me was, like I said earlier, I think he's aware that he's not a main prior, he's not a main option, that he isn't the first option for this team. But he want, instead, instead of pouting about it or anything like that, he says that he wants to get his teammates involved. That, and that's where the assist numbers just pop out. He's, he's purposely getting people involved. He's making the smart passes. And he's making the plays to help the team overall. And there's a reason the Spurs drafted him because the Spurs always want a guy that's a team first guy, and Quindary is one of those guys. And but to try to get his teammates involved, and I see the games I've watched, you see it. He does not try to take a, take the shot first. He's not for a shot first type point. He is a pass first type point, and it's and he can make some brilliant passes at times too. Yeah, he he really can, and. Um... You know, another part of his value to the Spurs, that being the San Antonio Spurs, is that he played four years in college. His body had filled out. He, he you know, really has that basketball IQ, maybe above uh, Quindari. I'm sorry, than Keldon and Luca. So he felt more NBA ready of the three young guys. But obviously, a lot of attention came to uh, Keldon because he filled a need for San Antonio. Uh, Luca as well. He is going to fill a need for the Spurs that do it all big man, you know, swift on his feet can hit the threes, hopefully crossing fingers. He gets that better uh, as his, as his uh, career goes on. But here's the thing, Ty, you're looking at the San Antonio roster. And as of right now, as of this recording, it is loaded with guards. Do you think ultimately that's going to maybe end Quindari's time with San Antonio? And, you know, he is company. What I, you reported on this. He's, he's a free agent now. Could he say like, "Hey, you know, I'm never going to get that time in San Antonio. Maybe I should explore other avenues." I actually think that he might be able to get his chance. Whenever you have two guards and Bryn Forbes and Marco Bellinelli going onto the market, and also Demar Derozan, who's kind of forward guard forward combo, he's he could possibly be going on the market. So there is going to be some roster spots opening up for the Spurs, and I think that'd be a perfect chance for Quindary to take to show that he can fill a role that the Spurs really need. I don't think he's going to get a full contract this for this this offseason, but I do expect the Spurs to get another two-way with him, just mm-hmm. because he this what they, this is what they did with Drew Eubanks in his first two years. Drew Drew Eubanks signed two two-way contracts. He's in the second year of his of his deal right now, and Quindary could easily sign a very similar deal as he develops. Two again, I love the two-way contract. I think it's one of the best things that Bleak has possibly done, adding a roster spot as well as adding, allowing teams to develop guys while keeping them a part of the team. Kundari's also, he's not an unrestricted free agent. He can't just go anywhere he wants. If he gets a contract offer, the Spurs can easily match it. So no matter what, I think the Spurs are going to keep him. I do, I do see them signing him to a dark two-way. And, again, you got two guys that, you got two guys that are going on to the open market, and that leaves in spots open that you possibly will need Kundari. I agree with that. I think he will be back in San Antonio, and I think next season, whenever next season begins, is basically going to be a make or break for him for the San Antonio Spurs because that would be his second uh, two-way deal if the Spurs go down that route. 
So they're going to have to make a decision. Well, part of that is going to have to be on Quindari to really show out whether it be in Austin or in San Antonio. Now, look, it's kind of unfair, Ty, because towards the end of the season, we're just for argument's sake, we'll just say the 2019-20 season is over. He did get time in San Antonio, and he kind of looked a lot like he was deer in headlights. Very small sample size. That's kind of unfair to really criticize him as far as his NBA game uh, is translating from the G League, correct? Yes, I would say so. You, he kind of got thrown in there whenever there were some injuries, and you need to you need to give him some more time as well. When he was on the court, he wasn't nearly he wasn't really part of the offense or anything like that. Get. But also, Quindari is not the guy that needs to be part of the offense. He need, he's again, he's a pass-first guy. But I would like to see a bit more of him before I can make before anyone can make any sort of judgment on his NBA play. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I know there was a lot of kind of pushback. Uh, I think it was in the Brooklyn game, but then again, everybody was playing horrifically in Brooklyn that night. If you remember how bad it was, if you're a Spurs fan. Um, he had he got a lot of time in there because the Spurs were simply getting just waxed on the court in New York City. But again, you know, he looked like he was just all out of sorts. But then again, everybody was that night. But as far as his G League play, yeah, it's stellar. It's really good. It's very respectable. Uh, he, you know, he seems to gel well with the teammates. Uh, he seems to gel well with Keldon. There's many a times when those two were on the court. And they're high-fiving each other, pumping each other up, and I like to see that. I'm hoping it translates into San Antonio next season, whenever next season comes. At the end of the day, Ty, is the jury still out on Quindari? Are you, are you buying? Are you selling? What are you thinking so far after the small sample size you got in Austin before the G League season got uh, canceled? I think he's going to be a promising young player, but he's not going to be he's not going to be a main guy. I don't think the Spurs, and Spurs don't need a main guy like that. It's He's going to be a he's going to be a very team first type of player, and it's going to be very interesting to see what he see what he does. But I still need to see more of him, and I think every I think everyone knows that he had he only had one season in Austin, barely any play in in the San Antonio team. I think we'll be seeing him work with the summer league team or whatever whatever league team there will be when it comes to summer league play or quote unquote mm-hmm. summer league play. You guys just, you guys understand what I'm saying. But, yeah, exactly. Well, I think we'll, be, we'll see. We'll see this. We'll see Quindary part of the part of the preseason type team and be working with the Spurs, and then honestly, working still working in Austin. But I think we'll probably see some more of him in San Antonio come next season. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think the Spurs are going to give him another shot. It is going to be a big season for him on his NBA path. He's going to have to prove a lot in Austin to show that he can make it in San Antonio. And you're right, Ty. There's so many things that are going to happen to the Spurs, the San Antonio Spurs roster. The future of DeMar, you know, if he leaves, then great, that's more minutes. Uh, Bryn Forbes, are the Spurs going to keep him or let him go or let him walk? You know, if he leaves and the Spurs pass, then that's more minutes there. Same thing for Bellinelli, too. Is this his last ride in San Antonio? So there are going to be minutes there for him. He's just going to have to really show out in preseason, whenever that is. And, of course, you mentioned the Summer League. All right, well, speaking of the young guys – we're going to shift gears now and uh, discuss the San Antonio Spurs web series, uh, Growing Ground. And it was a very, very fascinating uh, series. It gave you a good glimpse into the Austin Spurs system and about Weatherspoon and Luca and Eubanks and Keldon, et cetera. So this goes on and on. So we're going to be discussing that in just a few moments. But before we do talk about Growing Grounds, 
I know you're in that quarantine life right now and you're probably ordering up a lot of food, but I want to talk to you about Postmates. Uh, from an earlier morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beers while you watch TV, sometimes you need something delivered fast and that's where Postmates comes in. I've been using it in this quarantine life and so should you. Now, if you're like me, you're probably starting to think about what to eat for dinner or lunch, snacks, whatever. That's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. So no more trips to the store, no more late night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. I just go to Postmates. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it, Postmates has it. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the app, and use code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anything you need, anytime you need, anywhere you want it, just Postmate it. back and i'm joined by ty yeager he is a contributor at the spurs zone and the co-host of at the line podcast and speaking of the young guys and ty ty recently wrote an article breaking down not only the spurs free agents but a few of the guys that we're about to talk about right now it's at the spurs zone news for san antonio fox 29 san antonio.com ty you got to know um not only the spurs rookies but a few of the other players up in austin and the spurs had put on a three uh, I think it was three-part series called Growing Ground. It was a fascinating look into the Austin Spurs system. And it really got a lot of Spurs fans buzzing of what the future can be. Now that the series is over, what did you learn? What did, what did you have to take away from this series, Ty? And I ask you first because you were starting to get close to this team up in Austin. There, To be, to be honest, there were some things that I already knew that some of the players said on there, especially with Drew Eubanks saying that he was very energetic. He liked the energy. He likes to bring energy, but I think one of the new one of the things I didn't know was Landry Fields is their GM. I didn't know that <laughs> former <laughs> former Nick and a former NBA player, but he is a, he is the general manager for the Austin Spurs, and he is very. I didn't know that he was part of the Spurs system until now, and it's pretty fascinating. Did you when I watched the first part, you know, and well, first of all, overall, obviously they're really heavily pushing the Spurs young guns into the Spurs fans uh, in the faces. They, they're trying to get everybody to get to know these guys. And that's one of the big things that I took away from was that the San Antonio Spurs are really pushing into the limelight, the young guys, whether it be Keldon and Luca and Weatherspoon, or uh, you mentioned the Landry Fields, just the development. And I think that's what, what is really behind all this is the transition into the new generation of Spurs. We don't know what's going to happen with DeMar. LMA likely could be in its final season in San Antonio. These guys are going to be the new faces of the team. Obviously, there's a lot can happen between now and then, but I feel that's what the Spurs are doing. Ty, did you come away with that feeling? It's kind of like the Spurs are just prepping us for the future and what's going to happen with this team moving I would, forward? I would say so because they're, Spurs have, the Spurs have always been high on their draft picks, especially yeah. in probably the past half decade now where – you you have guys like Dejounte Murray starting, Derek White coming out starting out of it in his sophomore year because Dejounte gets hurt. Lonnie Walker gets his own run at this point. 
there's a, there's a lot of these young guys that are still getting that are getting a lot of run and have gotten a lot of trust from the Spurs system. And now having these guys, these young guys who have been working in Austin all year and really has shown that they are far above better than the most G League players now, which is a really great indicator of yeah, you're probably you probably upgrade yourself beyond G League now. And so I think Spurs are gonna try and tell us something where expect more of these guys next season. Expect you're right. expect to have young a young movement start to develop with this team. And it's not like that these are Guy, these are just young guys that they're just going to play because they have no one else. These are good, talented young guys, mm-hmm. and we there's a lot to be excited about with with them. And I've been trying to tell everyone all season long because I know I know everyone is eager to see Keldon, see Luca, see all these young guys. But the G League is there for a reason. It's to develop these guys. It's to make sure that they get even better and they become more polished. I would say. And that's what I that's what I was really excited for whenever the, the series this four part series came out was because I knew that people were going to get a better view of what's going on in Austin and what the goal is of Austin because not many people are aware of Austin is there to develop and it's more than just developing a guy's play that there is a team aspect to it that there's a kit there's a culture aspect that they really try they really emphasize within this series where that they try to replicate what's going on in San Antonio when it comes to culture. And that's a very key part to San, to San Antonio's franchise is having a culture. We've seen it with, we've seen it with the 2014 Spurs, who we just had a marathon of Friday. There's, <laughs> yeah. so, there's, but there's, there's so much more to, to, this, to the G League team itself than just developing a guy's play. It's developing the culture and get them with this, getting them settled and equipped and ready to for the NBA whenever their time does come. I liked how some of the, the players that they highlighted were aware of their situation. I, I like that, that they knew that things were not guaranteed. I think D- uh, Dalton Hamas even talked about it in one of the final episodes saying how Austin, the G League, is there for guys. He, he even said something like, guys like me, guys like me that are right there. And I think that was the tone of everybody that was uh, interviewed in the series was, you know, Eubank said the, uh, something that's along the similar lines to um, obviously Luca and Weatherspoon and uh, uh, Samanich. You know, they they seem to be the, you know, close to the locks as far as making San Antonio. But even them saying how they got to use this time in general just to hone their craft. Now, I want to shift focus though to guys that are not like Hamas's situation where they could just fall off the map. Or they're not like Weatherspoon, where you know it looks like he could be. But I'm talking about a guy like Drew Eubanks. You wrote about him. You said that you know he's obviously a free agent. He's off his final two way deal. You see what he brought to that team in that series. That energy, that spark, that goofiness, that punch off the bench, uh, his ability to grind in San Antonio and in Austin. I'm afraid that sometimes we don't get to see that side of the players, just how much grind they put into it. And they really highlighted Eubanks situation. They talked about the day that he broke made history playing in Austin and San Antonio on the same day. That's what hurts the most Ty, is seeing guys that put in the work, knowing that they probably won't be in the NBA in general. If things don't pan out for them, you know, you know, you don't try to get at Ty. Yeah. It's the G league. The G league is not, 
as glamorous as the NBA. It's, it's not at all. We've seen we've seen it before where it's they they take buses, they drive they drive places. They don't they don't have the luxury hotels, and it, they even emphasize that in the first episode where they're they're not at the same hotels that the NBA teams are at. This is a very different situation, and it's a very hit or the hit or miss league. I would say that not. All these guys are not guaranteed to be on a team. They're not guaranteed to have a contract. And But there's also something else that goes with it. These are probably some of the hardest-working guys when it comes to the NBA because they, they know that they are, they're they either on the brim or they're on the, they're on the brim of going to the NBA or on the brim of falling out of the G League. Mm-hmm. And these guys know they need to work to be where they are, they're at. And with the office Spurs, it showed that it showed that this is more than just basketball. That they're a team. That they have they have something more than that's just. It's not just coming in and working. That they are very much family. Look at look at. I love that they highlight the chemistry between Jeff Ledbetter and Luca. I thought mm-hmm. that was something that was really awesome to me. That I I kind of saw whenever I went when covered games, but I didn't see didn't know that it was this deep. That they really that these guys take care of each other, that they are friends, and they make sure that they are fa- like family to each other. I think Patty Mills has been the e- essential player of that. In San Antonio, you become family. You're not just another player. You become family with everyone on the team, and Jeff Ledbetter is the Patty Mills of, Austin, of the Austin Spurs, I would say, just from he, he- him being a veteran, him being a kind of a leader – of sorts and being a mentor to these younger players. Yeah, he really is. Uh, he is that veteran guy, even though he's still young in his right. Uh, but a lot of the uh, players there were looking up to him. And even in the bonding they had away from the court, they went to go play uh, baseball, I think, or they're in the batting cage. And they're picking on Luca, saying like, oh, you're going to be the next best thing in the MLB. He goes, I am the next best thing in the MLB. He's hitting the ball. And you get to see that side of them. And you realize that these guys are still kids. They're still kids. They're not 30-year-old, 40-year-olds. You know, they're not seasoned NBA vets. They're still finding their way. And they're trying to find their way to San Antonio or let alone just any NBA team. And they're really, really trying. I liked how they uh, spoke uh, to uh, the kid, Self. Um, I think he's the uh, GM or um, I forgot his name, though. One of the brass of the Austin Spurs, put it that way. And he was pretty Tyler obvious. Self, and, yeah, Tyler Self, thank you. Tyler Self saying, you know, how that you, you're right, that, uh, Ty, that this is not a glamorous uh, life in the G League. But, man, they said, I think it was Landry Fields, then he followed that up by saying, sure, but living in Austin is not that bad. And they highlighted the entire city. And like, oh, my God, yeah, they're living in that. Oh, no. Poor babies. That's why I walked away with Ty. Yeah, it's there. I think I think the Spurs Spurs organization has the has probably the the best cities when it comes to because this is not Fort Wayne, Indiana, like like the Pacers G League team is. This is this is Austin. This is the state capital of Texas, and this is probably the, this is one of one of the better cities when it comes to cult, cultures and stuff like stuff like that. Where you will you can still have a good time in Austin. Yeah, you definitely can. And you look, obviously, these guys are working hard. They understand the situation. They value the fact that Austin and San Antonio are only separated apart by an hour. Uh, Eubanks talked about that a lot, saying if he needed to get some direct coaching or direct hands-on 
uh, help, he can just go to San Antonio and get that. And he really, really treasured that. And I thought that was very key. I think a few other the players talked about that as well. But it's just really good to see the G League and the Spurs, San Antonio Spurs, that is, working together, getting these kids right, getting these guys ready for the next level, whether it be in San Antonio or a different NBA squad, uh, to make that leap into the NBA. And hopefully, just hopefully, a few of these guys wear a San Antonio uniform and not another uh, NBA team's uniform. But when we get back, Ty and I are going to put a wrap on this episode. Go ahead. I was going to say one more thing just before we go to to our second break was probably, probably my favorite line out of all of them in episode four was that they said it's not there's no really big difference between Austin and San Antonio that this is just one big Spurs family that that is this just Spurs it's not San Antonio it's not Austin it's just Spurs and I th- thought that was very encouraging just seeing the culture there is in San and the Spurs system as a whole exactly yeah good things are ahead for these young guys. Uh, whether it be in San Antonio or elsewhere. But when we get back, Ty and I are going to put a wrap on this episode of Locked On Spurs. We're back, and I'm joined by Ty Yeager. He's the co-host of At The Line Podcast and a contributor over at the Spurs Zone. Ty, it's been a topic of many across the NBA. Not if for you to weigh in. Your 99 Spurs versus the 98 Bulls in the 99 Finals. You've heard all the arguments from, oh, the Bulls never faced a team with Twin Towers like the Spurs had, to, well, the Spurs didn't really have anybody to contend with MJ. Where do you land? How do you see a fictional series playing out? San Antonio in seven. I'm just going to say San Antonio. What? It's going to be a good series. Two strong teams. But this is a Spurs team that had Tim Duncan, who had MVP votes as a rookie. That's fascinating. If you don't. Do you know how big of a difference that is? Tim Duncan was essentially the LeBron of his draft class, of his, of his, of his early eras in the early '90s and early 2000s. He was LeBron before LeBron, honestly, and everyone besides coming out of college in four years, stuff like that. But still, to have MVP votes as a rookie and being within the, that race, and then get it, well, not not as a rookie as a still as a young guy, still that's yeah. fascinating. Duncan was a great player early into his career, and there's a reason that he was voted – he was the finals MVP in 99. Yeah, I, I, I agree with the sentiment that that Bulls team never faced a, a team with a quality big. B.J. Armstrong, a former uh, teammate of Michael Jordan, went on ESPN and said that Tim Duncan would have been a big issue for the, for the Bulls on both ends of the court. But even before that time, Armstrong said – even Olajuwon would have been an issue for that Bulls uh, squad. Yeah, you look at the the titles that the Bulls won. Yeah, I mean the Jazz, they didn't really have a quality big. Uh, let's see the Pistons. I think they beat the Pistons. Yeah, and not again. Lame Beer, uh, Lakers. You know, again another uh, non quality big team. But the question is shifts though. Who? How would the Spurs deal with MJ? I mean, they had Elliott. They had Ellie, they had Kersey, they had Antonio Daniels. Why do I feel like that probably would not have been enough? I, I just, looking at the roster, if you, even if you do put, put the Bulls in 98-99, even if you put Michael Jordan in there, just, he doesn't really have the supporting cast that he would have had during his six, his, six, his six championship seasons. He doesn't really have the great supporting cast around, that would be around him previously. So, and also add on that, there wasn't really – who was their head coach? Their coach was Tim Floyd. 
Mm-hmm. Popovich, Popovich would have outcoached. I think he would have outcoached Tim Floyd. And even and even though if you look at that their playoff record, they never they only lost two games in their whole playoff run for the Spurs in '99. That's a fact. You only lose two games out of four series. That's how yeah. that's how good the '98 '99 Spurs were. And then they would go on to beat the Knicks four to one. If they can beat the Knicks four to one and beat everyone else within their conference, including the Lakers, or sweep the Lakers in the conference semifinals, mm-hmm. then I think they can beat the '98 '99 Bulls, even if they even if that Bulls team had Michael Jordan. Well, yeah, but yeah, exactly. But if you're going to take that final Bulls championship team, which was the 1998 squad with Phil Jackson, with Jordan, and uh, you know the idea is okay, that team stays intact. So Phil comes back, and MJ's there, and Scotty's there. You move them into the '99 season, the season the Spurs won. Then yeah, the storylines would be awesome because now you have Jackson versus Young Popovich on that sideline. Jackson at that time would have been the the huge favorite in that uh, matchup, the coaching matchup. Pop, that was his first time there in the NBA Finals. That would have been interesting to see the birth of that rivalry as well. And not to mention this time, you know, I thought about it too and looking at the, the rosters. Do you think the Spurs would have had bigger headaches maybe with a guy like Tony Kukoc coming off that bench? Because I think depth-wise, the Bulls may have had that edge. Yeah, and Spurs still had a strong bench. They still had, they still had Avery Johnson. They still had Sean Elliott there, Jaron Jackson. Mm-hmm. There's Steve I'm not sure. I'm not sure how Steve Kerr against Steve Kerr would go, but <laughs> yeah. But uh, still, so say that say that this is just 2K that you put in these rosters going up against each other. I think that Spurs team still get will give the Chicago Bulls headaches, even if it is a championship Chicago Bulls. This is yeah. Spurs had in 99 had the strongest strength of schedule schedule in the league. They had what the third best defense compared to. Honestly, it's not going to be an offensive battle. This is going to be a defensive battle if we look at these teams. The Spurs were ranked first in defense in their in their season, and the Bulls were ranked third in defense. Mm-hmm. So that's it's just going to be a defensive battle if we're going to be honest. It, it definitely would have been a defensive battle. The uh, 90s, or the late 90s, was probably the last time that that physical type of play was allowed between players. It was trying to shift. I'd say like maybe past the early 2000s, like maybe 2002-ish, where things were starting to get less physical in the NBA. So the Spurs definitely would have had that defensive mindset to really put some hands on some guys, uh, really try to slow down Chicago. I don't think the Spurs, I'm sorry, the Bulls would have had an answer for Robinson and Duncan whatsoever. If anything, Michael Jordan is more of a mid-range guy more often than he was than he in his late career. They're going to force him to hit that mid-range, which would have been fine with Pop. I'd rather him try to get his buckets away from the rim than at the rim where he could do the most damage. And you also look at this, too. Pippen was already busted up so bad that season, that 98 season. And maybe the 99 season, the lockout season would have helped him. But Pippen was already past his prime, and so was well. MJ, I don't know if he ever got past his prime because when he played the bullet, the yeah, the Wizards, he was still putting buckets up. But nevertheless, he was about thirty six already. So the Spurs were still a young team, Ty. Yes, it was still a young team, but still was a David Robinson that was in his prime. And then also add on that, like you said, where there was more of it, there was more of an inside game. 
because there was the three pointer was not as big as it is now, and knowing that you had Tim Duncan and David Robinson, a prime David Robinson, and a young Tim Duncan down to the, down to the paint near the basket, that's just scary. They were called the Twin Towers for a reason, and mm-hmm. being the number one ranked defense in the league that season, that's going that defense is going to give you fit, even if even if you are Michael Jordan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and look, Elliot was no slouch as well. Elliot was a really good uh, defender as well, but you know he really would have to make um, MJ work for his buckets. Uh, I think um, Will Purdue, Will Purdue, a former Spur and Bull, uh, talked about it recently on Fox Sports Radio. He didn't give an answer, but he came to the same consensus that Tim Duncan again would have been an issue for the Bulls. And he also tipped his cap at Elliott, saying Elliott was actually a really good defender and, you know, saying, you know, he tweeted it out saying that would have been the interesting matchup was Elliott. How Elliott would, in his opinion, would have been the kind of a wild card on the Spurs roster. It would have been a fascinating season to see if that 98 Bulls team stayed intact to face the San Antonio Spurs. Could the Spurs have ended that reign? The Bulls would have been shooting for their fourth straight title. We all know your favorite player, former player, Dennis Rodman, Ty. You know, I know you have his jersey. He oh, uh, totally. totally. <laughs> uh, he uh, he spoke on ESPN saying how this how that Bulls team would have easily beaten the Spurs. I think Worm is probably smoking something, isn't he? Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't see how Dennis Rodman would be able to stop Tim Duncan whenever he is a good. Let me do the math here real quick. Yeah, like five inches shorter than Tim Duncan. He's, five, he's five, half a foot shorter than Tim Duncan and David Robinson. And you think that you're going to stop those two? Really? Yeah, exactly. Really? really exactly. I, I don't even understand why. I mean, I get it. Worm, he's a competitor at the end of the day. You know, he's going to want to pull for the Bulls. He didn't leave San Antonio on the right note. But nevertheless... You know, you know, it's funny. Somebody had told me weeks ago, or maybe I don't remember anymore, but that a worm, Dennis Rodman, actually did admit that he would have had an issue with Duncan. I cannot find that. Maybe it was one of those one-off interviews he did. But if true, then kudos on you, Worm, for admitting it. But Kendrick Perkins, the former big man for the NBA, coming out on ESPN and saying that, oh. Dennis Rodman would have been in Tim Duncan's pocket all season. He would have neutralized him. No way. Not at all. That was not going to happen. So uh, what could have been, Ty, what could have been if that 98 Bulls team didn't break up in order to face the San Antonio Spurs in 1999? It would have been a series for the ages. And I agree with you, Ty. I think it would have been a seven-gamer as well. Ty, tell everybody how they can follow you on Twitter and everything about At The Line Podcast. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Ty Yeager Radio. It's Ty J A G E R Radio. And you follow at the line at the line pod on Twitter. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. Go to the Spurs Zone News for San Antonio and Fox29SanAntonio.com. Uh, we have everything there, despite the fact that the NBA season is still on hiatus from this episode of Locked On Spurs to the origin of the Eurostep by the man himself, Mono Ginobili. Go check out what he had to say, how it started, how he developed it. And a funny little note, he didn't even know he was developing it. So there you go. So go check it out. It's all there at the Spurs Zone. Subscribe to Locked On Spurs, wherever you get your favorite podcast. So for Ty Yeager, I am Jeff Garcia. We're going to put a lock on this episode of Locked On Spurs. <laughs>